0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Don your host of the Process 319. Unleash with Don Marie, our special guest this morning, Donna S is with us this morning Well, our topic is faith and mental health, trauma, unforgiveness and the emotions on your soul. Well, I am so excited to have Donna with us this morning. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, get your coffee, paper and pencil. You aren't going to want to miss what this awesome, powerful woman is going to share with us today. So I am excited, excited to have her with us. Donna, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. Thank
0: you, Don Marie, for having me. And thank you for all you're doing to equip the body of Christ.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Donna. Uh, we're going to jump in. I mean, we, we have like 28 minutes to cover everything. <laughs> okay, I know. Maybe not everything. Well, I know, you know you're part of a, a group that we put together. And, you know, Doc Heather was on last week. So I'm kind of going to trail mm-hmm. in to what we talked about, what we ended on last week. And I wanted to talk about faith and mental health. And I asked her, and I know, I know, I know un- unforgiveness is a, is a, is a month topic on its own. But, you know, how can, when we look at faith and we look at mental health, um, when we look at unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, How do those, I mean, can you help the people understand why it's so important to deal with those or or maybe how they affect
0: mental health or the
1: manifestations they have on mental health?
0: It's a really good question. And like we talked about before, forgiveness is so huge and it's so complex, but Backing up with what Doc Heller said, there was actually a study that talks about the impact of unforgiveness on our physical health as well as our mental health. There was one study that talked about um working with cancer patients that sixty one percent of the cancer patients had forgiveness issues. And so we know got help. Yeah. Sixty one percent. Yeah. All right. Isn't that something? It, 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 when we hear God telling us to forgive someone who has wronged us, it's really hard because we tend to confuse and not really understand what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not excusing the offense. It's not forgetting because that is biologically impossible what happens to us is penetrated into our brain. That saying forgive and forget is just not realistic. And it also doesn't mean an automatic reconciliation to the person who wounded us.
1: Hold on. Stop right there. Stop right there. (laughs) Because I heard in the last Mm -hmm. 90 days, That And I heard a pastor preach it that mentioned that, and I thought, no, that's not healthy. Say that again, Donna. You mean that just because I forgive you doesn't mean that I need to
0: reconcile a relationship with you? I mean, really? Exactly. So think about it this way. Because, again, I work primarily with victims of childhood sexual abuse. So, if and when they are ready to forgive, does that mean they have to have continued relationship with the one who damaged them? No. Yeah. And this is where I'm so grateful that God is in control, mm-hmm. because God would give you the peace and the direction about that. But I think people hold on to unforgiveness because they think. If I forgive him or her, then they'll get away with hurting me, and they won't be punished. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that I'm going to not forgive you as a way to punish you, but Mm -hmm. I heard a really good metaphor of holding on to unforgiveness is like Mm -hmm. putting poison in a cup for your enemy, but you actually drink the poison. Wow, that's, that's great. But it sounds like,
1: you know, faith and mental health, that forgiveness is God's way of saying, trust me. Trust me, because you yeah. just said, it, it, it's the justice. We're, we're, we're trying to do justice, and God says, no, 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 no. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God is the God of justice. You know, that's even one of his names that he is the God of justice. Ladies and gentlemen, Donna's fantastic, and and, and I want you to know who she is even more. She's not only Donna, my friend, and a therapist. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she offers professional experience and training and compassion and and insights from God's word. She blends. She's able to... uh, Use the uh, combine the knowledge and faith of the Word of God and sees it practically in the in in, in mental health and how and why God says what He says. Um, with personal experience mm-hmm. of over thirty years, she's professional experience. She, she works with individuals. She works with couples. She does family therapy. So, if you're hearing things, uh, subjects, topics in this conversation today. I highly recommend that you go onto our Facebook page. Donna's going to give her information. Reach out to her if you are definitely in the San Diego area. Her goal is to empower and educate. She's going to educate you today, ladies and gentlemen. She's going to enlighten you, and she's going to equip you with the tools that you need. And her desire to assist and partner with you to overcome any difficulties and Evolve from where you are as lovers and friends as it comes to various relationships. Through counseling, Donna can facilitate healing, improve communication, increase connection and understanding. Who doesn't need that, ladies and gentlemen? And Donna is California, <laughs> a, a California association marriage and family therapist, certified supervisor. She's an adjunct professor with Azusa Pacific University, Bethel Seminary, and the Chicago School of Professional Psychology and Marriage and Family Therapy in the uh, Department of San Diego. She's also a speaker. She's a seminar speaker. She's a mother. She's just overall fantastic. So listen to what (laughs) this awesome woman is sharing with you. So 61% of the people who have who have cancer had forgiveness issues. Oh, my God. That blows my mind.
0: Out of this meeting. So
1: what do you it's think? Of- it, it, well, you know, that makes me think about, man, I need, can I call Doc Heather? <laughs> because now I want to better understand the physiology. Mm-hmm. Because we know that the mm-hmm. chemicals in the body what, is, what chemical is directly of turning it into that cancer? So, wow, that's just crazy. So let's move on. Trauma, and I know that one of your specialties is trauma. Can you talk to us mm-hmm. about what is trauma? Um, how does trauma come about, especially in maybe relationships and marriages, and then also, um, how to maybe identify it when we see it in maybe young children or people who are in relationships that are trying to maybe hide their trauma. I know that's a lot. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah just a little bit.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> so, so let me break trauma down.
1: in simple. Okay.
0: Simply, trauma is a deeply distressing. Or disturbing experience. So, right now, this whole coronavirus is mm-hmm. a trauma, it right? Is. It's something that's out of the norm of our experience and mm-hmm. it is impacting us. It's impacting us physically, mentally, emotionally, and psychologically and socially. Yeah. So, A lot of things that comes our way, right, Uh, a Mm near-miss in a traffic accident, um, the measles, anything like that, that's normal, that we can kind of incorporate it into our Mm -hmm. hearts and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Trauma is an incident or an ongoing series of experiences that we can't process well. So think of it like this. If you have a file cabinet, the old-fashioned one, not the new ones on computers. And you (laughs) you take a file out, right? You take a file out. Normally you can put it back in. Mm -hmm. With trauma, trauma is a file that won't go back in the drawer so you can close it. Ah, that's good. Right?
1: You say that trauma is, I know people, and I've even had situations myself, where mm-hmm. I haven't I'm in a situation, I'm I'm experiencing something and then something changes and it's like you're now trying to fit that square peg into that round peg into a square hole and it doesn't fit anymore. Mm-hmm. And you just keep trying to feed right. it into place and you're pounding on it and, you, and it's not going.
0: Right. Which which means you keep thinking about it, you start having nightmares about it. You'll be minding your own business and something you'll just start crying for no reason, or someone will look at you the wrong way and you'll explode in anger. And those are all triggers that are a result of the trauma that has not been processed and put back properly in the drawer. Wow. So how
1: closely then or different are trauma and anxiety?
0: Anxiety can be a result of trauma. Okay. So, for example, I was in two car accidents in three months. And with this car accidents are trauma, right? Something totally out of the norm. So now when I drive, if someone gets too close to me, I feel anxiety. My heart starts beating rapidly. I have to monitor my breath. My stomach gets Mm -hmm. real queasy. When I drive with my family or someone else, I'm usually reading a book because I can't look up because I'm imagining, oh, we're going to hit that car or that car is going to hit me. So that anxiety is a result of the trauma of the car
1: accidents. Wow. I mean, that just leads me into so many other things because when, so now if if we, if we transition or begin to talk about relationships, but now Mm -hmm. if you're in the relationship with someone who has trauma, who may not realize that they're responding because Mm -hmm. they have trauma, you're, (laughs) you're taking it personal because they're treating you in a certain way. And you're like, what the heck? Why do you respond? Right. And they could be responding based on their trauma and not even realize
0: that they're responding
1: mm-hmm. based on trauma.
0: Yeah. That's one of the How key many relationships practices. do you think are affected by that? Well, I can't put a number to it. Okay. But let's just say more than a few. <laughs> And I think what's more difficult is Uh people don't realize it because when I'm dealing with childhood sexual trauma or childhood abuse, Mm -hmm. period, these Mm -hmm. wounded children grow up and have kept it moving. And so when they get into relationships, because of their abuse, they've learned not to trust, but don't really understand that. So when they get into the relationship, they'll either pick unhealthy relationships because they don't feel like they deserve or can trust a close, healthy relationship. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Or even if they're in a close, connected relationship and that partner does something that's similar to what was done to them as a child, Mm -hmm. the child brain wants to protect the person from being wounded. Whatever protective mode they did was to shut down or to lash out, that's going to come out on that unknowing partner.
1: Wow. Let's talk about the childhood sexual trauma. Did I, did I get that right, Donna? Mhm. hmm mm-hmm. That's correct. Childhood sexual trauma. And I remember hearing your story and how you – decided to specialize in this in this particular area how many or i mean that be the correct word but how often are people suffering from childhood sexual trauma and does it always have to be extremely egregious or can it just be something that was just inappropriate i mean how do you gauge that trauma on a person if if I'm asking that correctly.
0: You are. So think about this. Um, Statistics show that one out of four girls have been molested. One, uh, I think one out of six, five or six males have been molested. What? Now, these are the ones reported those are the ones who okay. were able to tell somebody. So okay. can you imagine the people who have not come forward and so the people who don't remember and one and one one of the six girls. boys by what age? Yes. Is there an age on that? When I was working with kids, I remember in the hospital, there was a child that was six months with a venereal disease. Six Heartbreaking. Six months. Don Marie was a venereal disease. Yes, because she had been molested by her father. I'm not even going so to that you that that's possible. No, but so when you say what's the age limit, I can't give you that because mm. it's across the board. And because it's so traumatizing and so hard to put back in the file cabinet, part of the protect mode is not to remember. And so when these young girls and these young men get into relationships and they can't trust or they're afraid of being hurt and they do various things to protect themselves, but the very things they do to protect themselves are also the same things that prevent them from connecting with their partner who loves them. And it's a catch-22 because they don't really understand what's happening.
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. This, this, I think, just blew my mind. Because as you're speaking now, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of, we call in relationships or, or nowadays it's mm-hmm. like we use these terms because we want to sound smart or you're a psychopath or you're a sociopath and we you know we get on google mm-hmm. and we look at things on youtube and you're mm-hmm. like well you're a this and you're a narcissistic and even myself you know, a student of psychology not not clinical but more research driven you hear people talking about these things so now i'm going to I know you probably can't because it's, it's it's like teaching an adjunct class right now, but I'm going to go there with you, Donna. So hold on with okay. me. So you, you right. just described trauma, meaning a yes. file was taken out of the file cabinet. It can't put, be put back. Right. How then does that behavior manifest into things that we like to throw around and here I go, Donna, psychopath, <laughs> sociopath, narcissistic. How much of that, especially narcissism, how much of that is just trauma triggers? I mean, can you break that down a little bit?
0: Um, That's really a, a complex question because there, there are, you're talking about um, serious mental illness diagnosis, right? That we are part of what we call personality disorders, meaning right. that those characteristics that are genuinely to those diagnoses mm-hmm. aren't trauma based. Okay. That's something in their makeup, in their personality. Some people are misdiagnosed with those terms not understanding, like someone who's not feeling might be labeled as a a sociopath, right? You you don't feel anything, isolate yourself. That could be the trauma of, but this is the only way I can survive. Because if I didn't learn how to be independent and not take care of myself, I wouldn't have made it through Mm -hmm. my childhood. Right? Does that make sense?
1: It makes perfect sense, but as you can see, the wadis, the waters are so muddy. They are. Because you're dealing with people who have trauma that just need help, but they yes. sometimes exhibit a behavior that's really not a personality disorder. They just never dealt with their trauma.
0: Because they didn't know they had trauma to, that needed to be dealt with. Remember, they've I'm, learned I'm, not I'm, to trust, and they've learned that it's not safe.
1: Okay, Donna, I'm good. Ladies and gentlemen, faith, mental health, trauma, unforgiveness, and the emotions on your soul. This is appropriate yeah. because when you look at what Donna is sharing with us, and Donna, my mind is blown right now. And I mm-hmm. think of the things that we say. We walk around, we make these vows. Oh, I'm not going to let anybody hurt me. Oh, you're not going to get close enough to hurt me. Yeah. Uh, and now, I'm, and now I'm looking at the manifestation of that trauma. We learned all of this, you know, as a psychology people. We learned all this in Freud and how you protect your right. subconscious, your subconscious. We, we we learned all of that. And it sounds like but a lot man, of people are dealing with trauma. Yes, ma'am.
0: They are. I was going to say, but think about how God made us for connection. Mm. Right? That's what's so difficult about the virus. The, what they call the social um, distancing
1: yes. really
0: needs to just be labeled as physical distancing because God made us to need each other. The anxiety and the depression, um, changes in sleep and patterns, difficulty concentrating. It's like the first week of the virus, yay, vacation. The second week, wait a minute, this is a new normal and I'm, this is not working, right? Oh my God. Because yes. we are created for connection. So yeah. we have to yeah. develop a new way of still being able to connect with one another.
1: Right. While right.
0: practicing the very needed physical distancing,
1: not social you know, distancing. I'm, yeah. No, I, I really like the way that you said that, and I like the way you transitioned to that because it's also saying that we need to put our faith in someone that we know has yeah. our best interest so that if we have these traumas, and they are affecting our relationship because it's going to affect relationships, mm-hmm. and then how do we come back out and live in a, in a society again? And you're right, physical distance, but don't socially distance yourself. So when you think right. of that, how can we as the body of Christ, with you as a, a therapist, what are some things that we can do that are going to help us through trauma, that are going to help us with our emotions, that will help us in this crisis of
0: COVID? <laughs> well, first of all, you have to recognize and acknowledge your, your feelings. We are so used to having a feeling and then pushing it away. Like, oh don't trust your feelings. Oh, they don't matter. Oh, just just stay in your brain and keep going. But your emotions are a signal that's to alert you to something. So acknowledge that you're sad. Acknowledge that you're irritable. Acknowledge that you're scared. Acknowledge those and then like what's causing that feeling so then you can do something about it. I was um, really irritable Saturday for some reason. Mm-hmm. I love my family. I love my family. I'm in a house with five other people, and I adore every one of them. But I am an introvert. I recharge mm-hmm. by being alone. So for my fellow introverts out there going through this quarantine with their loved ones, I'm sure you can relate. And so I was really (laughs) irritable. And and I was trying not to be with my loved ones, right? And then my oldest was like, I'm just irritable. I I haven't exercised today. And I'm like, throw on a dance. Let's do this thing. And when we started the dance exercise video, the irritation just rolled off. So what if I hadn't acknowledged the irritability or she hadn't acknowledged it? Then we took the steps of doing physical exercise, which is an automatic pleasure inducer. God is so wise in how he made us. We don't really need the drugs or the food or the alcohol. He's given us pleasure hormones. And when we exercise, those pleasure hormones kick in, the irritability left, and I was in a good place. So pay attention to what's happening in your body. Do take care of your body. Do breathing. Do exercise. Do stretching. Go in your backyard if you can. With all the physical distancing, they're still saying take a walk around your neighborhood. You need fresh air. Try to put yourself on a schedule because it's that, I don't know, when the days are blending, that also can add to the depression. So have a set Mm -hmm. schedule. Go to bed at a certain time. Wake up at a certain time. Schedule exercise in. Do meal planning. Definitely, if you can, engage in activities with your family. And find out what you need and ask for it and go for it.
1: I like that.
0: So, ladies and gentlemen, Donna has
1: given us some good advice so that we don't allow this trauma to affect our relationship. So she gave us a really good, Mm -hmm. and Donna, I thank you for that. She gave us a really good foundation of understanding. First, we need to forgive. We don't want to end up like the 61% of people who had cancer didn't forgive. And then she says trauma. Mm -hmm. These things have a, put this file cabinet in another file folder so that it doesn't cause a problem. And then she shared with us some tips on how to handle situations that are traumas or devastating our lives, she said, hey, acknowledge it. In the Bible, that's called taking every thought captive. Let's look at what that means
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: acknowledge, hey, mm-hmm. I'm scared, I'm, 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 I'm irritable, and then deal with it. And then find ways to deal with it. And that could be exercise, Mm -hmm. getting together with Mm -hmm. people on Facebook or doing a Facebook Live or doing a Zoom party. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. say do a Zoom happy hour, but get some soda, have a coffee hour, but do something. (laughs) You know, pay attention to your body. That's great because next week we're going to have my friend Leonard Wilson on who's going to be talking about fitness. And then create a schedule. Schedules are good. They keep you lined up. And then a meal plan so that you're eating healthy. We don't want to get the corona waistline, they say, okay? And engage. (laughs) You know, we don't want the corona. What happened to you? I got the corona. You know what I mean? No way. (laughs) It's going to have a new meaning. And like I always say, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. But people, we know what people are going through. Check on your neighbor. Find out what's going on and do that. Mm -hmm. Donna, we have about a minute left. I'm going to ask this major question. The body of Christ, and I know, nutshell version, I know it's a it's a big one, but how can mm-hmm. the body of Christ, how can pastors and leaders do a better job of acknowledging or recognizing some either mental health issues or challenges or at least not throw mental health under the bus like some do and say it's only faith? How can we merge the two? Well, they
0: can... Educate themselves And I'm I'm really okay. blessed That my pastor um, Has a degree in psychology And okay. is very supportive Of addressing mental health And not calling it sin Or a lack of faith You know, if you just believe God enough If you just did scripture enough You wouldn't be depressed You wouldn't be anxious When I think about anxiety I think about one of my favorite scriptures Isaiah 41.10 That says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. There's about 367 verses on fear. Because God knew that we would have it. And he wanted to reassure us. Go to the word. Pastors, believers, go to the word. God has an answer for everything we go through. And he loves Amen. Them, and he cares for me.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, check out Donna's page. It's to be posted. Her information is posted on the our Facebook page at Don Marie Alex. Um, oh, I've changed my page at, at UncommonVoice.com <laughs> dot com on Facebook, or go to our Facebook the page for Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, Donna, and I look forward to having you again.
0: Thank you, thank you, Dawn Marie.